the willow walk by st clair lewis this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. reading by matt Berard. part one from the drawer of his table jasper holt took a pane of window glass he laid a sheet of paper on the glass and wrote now is the time for all good men to come to the aid of their party he studied his round business college script and rewrote the sentence in a small finicky hand that of a studious old man ten times he copied the words in that false pinched writing he tore up the paper burned the fragments in his large ash-tray and washed the delicate ashes down his stationary wash-bowl he replaced the pane of glass in the drawer tapping it with satisfaction a glass underlay does not retain an impression jasper holt was as nearly respectable as his room which with its frilled chairs and pansy-painted pincushion was the best in the aristocratic boarding-house of mrs lyons he was a wiry slightly bald black-haired man of thirty-eight wearing an easy gray flannel suit and a white carnation his hands were peculiarly compact and nimble he gave the appearance of being a youngish lawyer or bond salesman actually he was senior paying teller in the lumber national bank in the city of vernon he looked at a thin expensive gold watch it was six thirty on wednesday toward dusk of a tranquil spring day he picked up his hooked walking-stick and his gray silk gloves and trudged downstairs he met his landlady in the lower hall and inclined his head she effusively commented on the weather i shall not be there for dinner he said amiably very well mr holt my but aren't you always going out with your swell friends though i read in the herald that you were going to be a star in another of those society plays in the community theatre i guess you'd be an actor if you wasn't a banker mr holt no i'm afraid i haven't much temperament his voice was cordial but his smile was a mere mechanical sideways twist of the lip muscles you're the one that's got the stage presence but you'd be a regular ethel barrymore if you didn't have to take care of us my but you're such a flatterer he bowed his way out and walked sedately down the street to a public garage nodding to the night attendant but saying nothing he started his roadster and drove out of the garage away from the centre of vernon toward the suburb of rosebank he did not go directly to rosebank he went seven blocks out of his way and halted on fandle avenue one of those petty main thoroughfares which with their motion-picture palaces their groceries laundries undertakers establishments and lunch-rooms serve as local centers for districts of mean residences he got out of the car and pretended to look at the tires kicking them to see how much air they had while he did so he covertly looked up and down the street he saw no one whom he knew he went into the parthenon confectionery store the parthenon store makes a specialty of those ingenious candy boxes that resemble bound books the back of the box is of imitation leather with a stamping simulating the title of a novel the edges are apparently the edges of a number of pages 
but these pages are hollowed out and the inside is to be filled with candy jasper gazed at the collection of book boxes and chose the two whose titles had the nearest approach to dignity sweets to the sweet and the ladies delight he asked the greek clerk to fill these with the less expensive grade of mixed chocolates and to wrap them from the candy shop he went to the drug store that carried an assortment of reprinted novels and from these picked out two of the same sentimental type as the titles on the book-like boxes these also he had wrapped he strolled out of the drug store slipped into a lunchroom got a lettuce sandwich doughnuts and a cup of coffee at the greasy marble counter took them to a chair with a table arm in the dim rear of the lunchroom and hastily devoured them as he came out and returned to his car he again glanced along the street he fancied that he knew a man who was approaching he could not be sure from the breast up the man seemed familiar as did the customers of the bank whom he viewed through the wicket of the teller's window when he saw them in the street he could never be sure of them it seemed extraordinary to find that these persons who to him were nothing but faces with attached arms that held out checks and received money could walk about had legs and a gait and a manner of their own he walked to the curb and stared up at the cornice of one of the stores puckering his lips giving an impersonation of a man inspecting a building with the corner of an eye he followed the approaching man the man ducked his head as he neared and greeted him hello brother teller jasper seemed startled gave the oh oh how are you of sudden recognition and mumbled looking after a little bank property the man passed on jasper got into his car and drove back to the street that would take him out to the suburb of rosebank as he left Fandle avenue he peered at his watch it was five minutes to seven at a quarter past seven he passed through the main street of rosebank and turned into a lane that was but little changed since the time when it had been a country road a few jerry-built villas of freckled paint did shoulder upon it but for the most part it ran through swamps spotted with willow groves the spongy ground covered with scatterings of dry leaves and bark opening on this lane was a dim rutted grassy private road which disappeared into one of the willow groves jasper sharply swung his car between the crumbly gate-posts and along on the bumpy private road he made an abrupt turn came in sight of an unpainted shed and shot the car into it without cutting down his speed so that he almost hit the back of the shed with his front fenders he shut off the engine climbed out quickly and ran back toward the gate from the shield of the bank of alder bushes he peered out two clattering women were going down the public road they stared in through the gate and half halted that's where the hermit lives said one of them oh you mean the one that's writing a religious book and never comes out till evening some kind of preacher yes that's the one john holt i think his name is i guess he's kind of crazy he lives in the old Bodette house but you can't see it from here it's clear through the block on the next street i heard he was crazy but i just saw an automobile go in here oh that's his cousin or brother or something lives in the city they say he's rich and such a nice fellow 
the two women ambled on their clatter blurring with distance standing behind the alders jasper rubbed the palm of one hand with the fingers of the other the palm was dry with nervousness but he grinned he returned to the shed and entered a brick-paved walk almost a block long walled and sheltered by overhanging willows once it had been a pleasant path carved wooden benches were placed along it and it widened to a court with a rock garden a fountain and a stone bench the rock garden had degenerated into a riot of creepers sprawling over their sharp stones the paint had peeled from the fountain leaving its iron cupids and nids eaten with rust the bricks of the wall were smeared with lichens and moss and were untidy with windrows of dry leaves and caked earth many of the bricks were broken the walk was hilly in its unevenness from willows and bricks and scuffled earth rose a damp chill but jasper did not seem to note the dampness he hastened along the walk to the house a structure of heavy stone which for this newish midwestern land was very ancient it had been built by a french fur trader in eighteen thirty nine the chippewas had scalped a man in its dooryard the heavy back door was guarded by an unexpectedly expensive modern lock jasper opened it with a flat key and closed it behind him it locked on a spring he was in a crude kitchen the shades of which were drawn he passed through the kitchen and dining-room into the living-room dodging chairs and tables in the darkness as though he was used to them he went to each of the three windows of the living-room and made sure that all the shades were down before he lighted the student lamp on the game-leg table as the glow crept over the drab walls jasper bobbed his head with satisfaction nothing had been touched since his last visit the room was musty with the smell of old green rep upholstery and leather books it had not been dusted for months dust sheeted the stiff red velvet chairs the uncomfortable settee the chill white marble fireplace the immense glass-fronted bookcase that filled one side of the room the atmosphere was unnatural to this capable business man this jasper holt but jasper did not seem oppressed he briskly removed the wrappers from the genuine books and from the candy-box imitations of books one of the two wrappers he laid on the table and smoothed out upon this he poured the candy from the two boxes the other wrapper and the strings he stuffed into the fireplace and immediately burned crossing to the bookcase he unlocked one section on the bottom shelf there was a row of rather cheap-looking novels on this shelf and of these at least six were actually such candy boxes as he had purchased that evening only one shelf of the bookcase was given over to anything so frivolous as novels the others were filled with black-covered speckle-leaved dismal books of history theology biography the shabby genteel sort of books you find on the fifteen-cent table at a second-hand bookshop over these jasper poured for a moment as though he was memorizing their titles he took down the life of reverend jeremiah baldfish and read aloud in those intimate discourses with his family that followed evening prayers i once heard brother baldfish observe that philo judaeus whose scholarly career always calls to mind the 
adumbrations of melancanthon upon the essence of rationalism was a mere sophist jasper slammed the book shut remarking contentedly that'll do philo judaeus good name to spring he relocked the bookcase and went upstairs in a small bedroom at the right of the upper hall an electric light was burning presumably the house had been deserted till jasper's entrance but a prowler in the yard might have judged from this ever-burning light that someone was in the residence the bedroom was spartan an iron bed one straight chair a washstand a heavy oak bureau jasper scrambled to unlock the bottom drawer of the bureau yank it open take out a wrinkled shiny suit of black a pair of black shoes a small black bow tie a gladstone collar a white shirt with starched bosom a speckly brown felt hat and a wig an expensive and excellent wig with artfully unkempt hair of a faded brown he stripped off his attractive flannel suit wing collar blue tie custom-made silk shirt and cordovan shoes and speedily put on the wig and those gloomy garments as he donned them the corners of his mouth began to droop leaving the light on and his own clothes flung on the bed he descended the stairs he was obviously not the same jasper but less healthy less practical less agreeable and decidedly more aware of the sorrow and long thoughts of the dreamer indeed it must be understood that now he was not jasper holt but jasper's twin brother john holt hermit and religious fanatic end of part one of the willow walk by sinclair lewis